The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good evening, everyone. Um, Gil asked me to come and speak tonight <clears throat> a couple couple weeks ago, and sometimes I'm given a topic to speak about, and if not, then I just choose whatever um, seems to be kind of percolating for me. Not necessarily something that I know a lot about, but something that's interesting. So you're get to share in my learning tonight. <clears throat> the topic I chose um, is gratitude. And I spoke about that here a couple months ago on a Tuesday morning, and maybe some of you heard that. So if you did, you might be grateful that you get to hear it again, <laughs> or you might be grateful that you sat close to the door. And uh, you're going to do something else. What led me to this, I, I realized, so I'll sort of tell a story about myself. Um, you know, kind of as a, as a child and a young adult, I didn't really get gratitude. I mean, I get it in the sense that um, it seemed like something that was sort of a social skill that I had to learn. So when my grandparents or my aunt would give me socks for my birthday, that I would, you know, act as though I was grateful for getting socks, even though th those had absolutely no appeal to me. I mean, it seemed like clothes just appeared in my dresser no matter what I did. So wh why would I want to get those, like, for Christmas? So I kind of came into life with a certain um, predisposition uh, against gratitude, you know, that it was something that you sort of had, you know, sort of a formality that you had to do, but it, it usually, if I said I was grateful, it usually meant that I wasn't. And that wasn't always the case, but um, as I came to this practice in, in my early, in the first, say, five or six years, Gil would sometimes tell these stories about how he would be out in nature he would be working in the garden at Tassajara or working in the garden at um, Green Gulch and just have these experiences of strong gratitude arising. Um, not necessarily even knowing what he was, who he was grateful to or exactly what he was grateful for, but there'd just be a strong sense of, of gratitude for... Um, I guess the experience he was having and the opportunity to be where he was at the time. And I'd listen to those stories and I'd think, well, you know, maybe someday that'll happen to me. But it doesn't seem to be happening right now. It's more like... Um, when he talked about suffering, when he talked about stress, unsatisfactoriness, that I, that I could relate to. That was, you know, that was something that I was definitely could um, notice in my, in my practice and in my life. But the gratitude part, um, 
Not so much. And I didn't really want to force it either. And I didn't want to sort of like go back to my childhood mode of, you know, sort of um, pretending that that's what was happening for me. As I was preparing this, I realized I did have one really strong experience back around 2003. I was in uh, northern Sweden for work, and I was walking down a hill, a snow-covered hill, uh, a road, and all of a sudden I heard a snap, and I landed on the ground, and my my, uh, ankle had broken. And the first thing that that experience brought up for me that helped me see, you know, kind of experience gratitude was suddenly being very dependent on other people. You know, before that, I was walking around, I sort of imagined myself as this self-sufficient being that really you know, only needed people in some kind of peripheral way. But when I was laying in the snow, I realized I'm not going to be able to get out of this by myself. And so I got on my hands and knees and I crawled up the hill and I started waving at these two women and yelling, help! And fortunately, they both spoke English because you know this was Sweden after all, but one was from Australia and one was from Ireland. And also, I had this fear go through my mind that if they saw this guy crawling through the snow waving his hand, that they might think I was intoxicated and decide, you know, well, I'm not having anything to do with this guy. But they didn't. They recognized the... the, the um, state I was in and so they came and they went and uh, got help for me so there was you know there was some kind of having to admit to my own vulnerability and you know kind of admit that I needed help now the next part of it was in the few days before that happened I had noticed this enormous fire truck driving around in Kiruna and all the buildings are made out of uh, brick. And so I thought, well, what a waste of energy for them to be driving around. You know, there's obviously no fires going on. They're just, you know, filling the day by driving around the town in the fire truck. And as I came out of my hotel that night, just before I broke my leg, I saw the same fire truck stuck in a snowbank. And the guys were out there with snow shovels digging the truck out of the snow. And the thought that came about was, what a bunch of knuckleheads. Who could they ever help? (laughs) Well, five minutes after I broke my leg, they were the ones that showed up to help me. (laughs) So um, there was also an element of humility, you know, that I had this certain pride and certain judgments about these guys. And... Um, they were the ones that showed up to help and brought blankets and something, you know, they put things underneath me. Oh, and then the other part was 
part of the reason I felt was I was wearing deck shoes. So here it was in the middle of winter, and I thought it was kind of crazy that people always, they carried around boots and they carried around indoor shoes. And I was going to show them that you really didn't need to do that, that I could get by with one pair of shoes. And the deck shoes had sort of worked because the, the snow was dry and powdery, so if you just stamped your feet when you walked in the building, the snow came off, and it, it, was, it was fine until I slipped and broke my leg. And then um, as I'm laying there, the firemen all gathered around my feet and were pointing and going, bad shoes, bad shoes. <laughs> and so um, the thing that I had been most proud of, that, that I could just kind of get by with these, these uh, deck shoes, um, that had to go as well. So, there was a, you know, so the first part of my experience was really about um, kind of admitting my vulnerability, um, admitting my dependence, and also let, letting go of a certain pride of, you know, wanting to do it my way. And then after that, um, I really relaxed into the care that was around me. Um, you know, the, the ambulance came and took me to the hospital. Some of my coworkers came to uh, deal with all of the paperwork and figure out what was going on. They x-rayed my leg and told me, well, you need surgery, but you can't do it at this hospital. There's one about 80 miles away in Yalivara. And so they bundled me up, and my coworkers said, well, okay, you know, we'll see you whenever you return. And uh, I got down to the, to the other hospital, and as I was laying on a, a gurney, a nurse came over with a cell phone and said, we have your sister on the line. You know, you can talk to your sister. So they, they had figured out, you know, my family connections and, and all of this stuff. And so, um, so I really felt grateful. I mean, you know, there was, you know, the first kind of elements of that spontaneous uh, gratitude showed up that, that they were just taking care of me, uh, both psychologically and physically. And then throughout the, the experience, um, there was, a, I guess, in Sweden, a famous orthopedic surgeon who happened to be coming to the hospital the next day, and he stayed late to do my surgery. It was like 7 or 8 at night. Um, the anesthesiologist's assistant told me that, well, it would be better if we didn't put you all the way under, but if you want, we'll do it. And so he sat there for like two hours and just talked to me, just told me his life story and um, kept me engaged so that I didn't have to be put under. And then... I think it was the next day, they knew that I was from NASA, that I worked for NASA, and the next day was the um, Columbia disaster when the, the Columbia shuttle went down. And so they went on the Internet and they downloaded all the stories about the, the Columbia accident and printed them out and they brought them to my bedside and said, here, you know, you can read all of these and we'll print out the front page of the New York Times and 
take this, you can take this highlighter and highlight what stories you want to read. So they really, um, they really went out of their way to make sure that um, I felt physically comfortable, that I felt connected to um, the world. Um, they'd come and ask me if I wanted any more painkillers. And so I couldn't help but feel grateful for being, for being in this environment, being in this, in this hospital where people were taking such good care of me. And my coworkers too. They, it was about a one and a half hour drive from where we were working to the hospital. And at that time of the year, there was only about six hours of daylight. So they would leave as soon as the sun came up. They'd get down, they'd visit me for about an hour or so, and then they'd, get, they'd drive back before the sun went down. And that was important because there were big trucks on the highway, and they only plowed about one and a half lanes wide, so it was, it was a little dicey. And there were also um, uh, reindeer that would come out onto the highway and you definitely didn't want to hit one of those. So there was a, a and then coming back to the United States, one of my coworkers um, got a van and drove for six hours down to the Mojave Desert where the my plane was arriving, got all my stuff in the van and then spent turned around and spent another six hours driving me back. So those experiences just kept coming, you know, kind of ad, particularly as I was on crutches and needed help, that the help and the caring just kind of came forward as it was needed. And um, I'm not sure that I'd say that I'm glad that I broke my leg, but it really opened my eyes to... Um, to the gifts that were around me. And then after a while, you know, I got better, I got more ambulatory, and I didn't need other people so much. And it seemed like my uh, perception shifted back a little bit to the way it had been before, of just, you know, kind of more noticing what was what was wrong with this picture rather than what was right. And I mean, it did have an impact on me and I'm really uh, appreciated that. And then in January of this year, um, James Barras came to talk here uh, in January about this book that he had just written called Awakening Joy. And I was really moved by it. Part of it was, over the last few years, I've, I've often had these thoughts that, well, you know, I'm getting kind of old. I'm not sure that my mind can really be trained to be happy anymore or trained to wake up. You know, it's like, you know, maybe that's something that I should have been doing in my 20s and 30s. 
Um, so James told this story about his 89-year-old mother and how she had sort of prided herself all of her life in being very critical and um, uh, guarded, I guess, and wasn't going wasn't gonna to have anything about just developing joy. That sounded way too... Um, new age or something like that. But James told the story of how he visited her once for a week and they started playing this game where every time she would make some comment about what was wrong with her life, she would tag on and I lead a very blessed life. And they played this game for about a week and um, he kind of thought, well, you know, maybe... Maybe it'll have some effect. And then in, the, in about the week following, he would call her every day or so, and they'd, they'd continue that. And then his, his sister, who was the prime caregiver for his mother, came back. And a few weeks later, his sister called him up and said, James, what did you do to mom? <laughs> She's really different. <laughs> She's really seems more happy. And in hearing that story, it really made me think, well, if she could have that kind of a, say, mental and psychological transformation at 89, then I'm significantly younger than that. Maybe I still have the neuroplasticity to, to uh, try out this awakening joy. And... I was telling a friend about it, and I told her that I had bought the book and I was planning to read it, and she said, well, why don't we take the course together? And so we both signed up, and we've been going to Berkeley once a month to to take the course. And the third chapter is about cultivating gratitude. And so I said, okay, well, now I'm taking this course. I have an intention to wanting to lead a happier life. What would it take to cultivate gratitude um, in a way that's authentic, you know, in a way that isn't just sort of forced, but is really based on paying attention, paying not just paying attention to what I don't like about my life, what's what seems kind of off, or what. You know, what doesn't meet my expectation. But can I also pay attention to those parts of my life that really make life rich? You know, to pay attention to to the beauty in my life, to the love, to the goodness, uh, to the compassion... So it's not necessarily that I have to create all of those things out of thin air, like they don't exist, but it's more, can I tune in to them when they're present? You know, so it's, it's sort of like that childhood, I don't know if you ever had these games as a kid where there'd be a, uh, a kid's magazine and you'd have to find the faces in the picture, you know, the, the popes and the pizzas, Father 
Guido Sarducci would say, <laughs> you know, if you didn't know that there were popes there, you wouldn't be looking for them. But if you start, once you start looking, you go, oh yeah, yeah, there's, you know, there's a dog here and there's, you know, something else here. So it's, it's more that kind of change is really starting to pay attention to, um, you know, those, those things that are, are beautiful and uh, helpful, <coughs> loving, compassionate, and then just acknowledging them. It's not that I even have to make them any different than they are, but just, just let my attention rest with those. So one of the, one of the, thing, one of the ways I started on this um, project um, I really like chocolate. I really like hot chocolate. So every afternoon I go to a Starbucks near work and I get hot chocolate. And I took to a practice of just thanking the cashier when I ordered my hot chocolate, putting some money into the tip jar, and then thanking the bar- barista you know, when they delivered the, the hot chocolate to me. Not, and seeing if I could do it in a way that wasn't just mechanical, you know, sort of seeing if I could tune into, um, you know, well, sort of the physical pleasure I got from drinking the hot chocolate, but also um, just noticing how um, sincere and dedicated the people in the store were. Like I'd never, I, I never saw them blow off a customer or yell or be angry. They always, they're always really um, concerned. I mean, you know, they definitely want you to, to feel like you got what you want. And so over the months, um, they all got to know my name. I mean, there's times when I'm just standing in line waiting to get to the cash register that the they'll come over and hand me my hot chocolate. You know, like they, they know what I'm going to order. Um, and it's, it's really given me a sense of, of happiness. I mean, you know, I do feel happy even before I drink the hot chocolate, I'm happy. And I like to think that my thanking the barista in the, in the crowd of people all waiting anxiously for their coffee that it probably spills over to others, you know, that there's some, that there's some um, benefit that comes from, from, from expressing the gratitude that I'm feeling. So, so I've been very, um, and actually over time, I've gone back and visited my family in Wisconsin and although they're still a lot more conservative than I am and there's certain things that I don't agree with them, um, I think I can honestly say I've really, I've really been fortunate in the family that I've had, in the friends that I've had over the years. Um, in the education that I got, um, 
And in all of the relationships and the education leading me to leading me here to this center and um, and it's not like I've had to go back and forget something about the past or try to make the past different but it's more I've just been able to see the past differently than I used to or you know kind of see um, the love and support that was there all along. So that's my stories about um, gratitude. I wanted to say some of the things, you know, so of course I, I did look in the suttas to see what the Buddha said about gratitude. And actually it's, as far as I can tell, it's not in any of the lists. It's not one of the paramis, you know, one of the uh, foundational practices but he did talk about it um, in some other context. One is that gratitude is a proximate cause of mudita, um, which is a type of joy, sympathetic joy, joy in the delight of, uh, in the well, well-being of others. And so one of the things I read was that the proximate cause of mudita is the ability to recognize and rejoice in others' success. As mudita develops, one will wish others be fulfilled in every possible way and it becomes gratifying to contemplate others' prosperity and property. It is worth noting that mudita doesn't imply that one has to downgrade one's own enjoyment of status, property, and wealth. To see others enjoying high status is wonderful, and it is just as gratifying to contemplate one's own good fortune. To count the number of someone else's friends, followers, and disciples brings a profound joy, but so does contemplating one's own friends, followers, and disciples. I don't know how many of us have followers or disciples, but I think we all have friends. Seeing others' virtues or one's own virtues, others' possessions or one's own possessions, equal satisfaction will arise. So, I think the part that was missing for me when I was young was when I was trying to force gratitude or pretend gratitude, that I wasn't having that experience of happiness or well-being that can come from recognizing gratitude. So, that's something... I'd say, relatively new for me. Let's see. The, one of the other things that the Buddha talked about is um, about gratitude had to do with it being a sign of integrity. Uh, I'll read just a short bit of this um, uh, Katyana Sutta said, the, Bo- the Blessed One said, Now, what is the level of a person of no integrity? A person of no integrity is ungrateful, doesn't acknowledge the help given to him. This ingratitude, this lack of acknowledgement, is second nature among rude people. It is entirely on the level of a person of no integrity. 
A person of integrity is grateful and acknowledges the help given to him. This gratitude, this acknowledgement is second nature among fine people. It is entirely on the level of a, a person of integrity. So my understanding of that is um, that, that the way it hit me was to not be grateful for all of the things that are given to us by others or by nature is a, a form of dishonesty. We're not really honest about what it is that supports us in this life, you know? We're only looking at the supports that we want to acknowledge, you know, like our own resources or our own skills, but not at all of the gifts that we're given and all of the support that we get from others. Let's see, that, and that, so that was another um, part of the Buddha's teaching on gratitude. There is also a tie-in to um, protection. And this was the Mahamagalana Sutta, Mahamangala Sutta. And this was actually the Buddha giving a teaching to a deva, somebody from the, one of the heavenly realms who asked him, who asked to talk to him, said, the deva said, many devas and human beings give thought to protection, desiring well-being. Tell then the highest protection. And the way the Buddha responded on that one is actually paraphrased by one of the authors here said the Buddha's discourse on blessings. It is a blessing to spend time in the company of wise people and to honor those who are worthy. So this, this gratitude requires um, a certain discernment of noticing who are wise people and who are worthy of your honor. It's a great blessing to live in a place that is good for you, to do good deeds, and to keep yourself going in the right direction. So again, there, there, it requires some discernment on your part to know what's the right direction. It's a great blessing to be well-educated, to develop your skills, to train yourself in discipline, and to use words carefully and beautifully. It's a great blessing to take good care of your mother and father, to cherish your partner and children, and to engage in a livelihood that's harmless. So, you know, honor, um, taking care of your mother and father is, is um, having gratitude for those who, who raised you from an infant when you were completely dependent you had no um, self-sufficiency. It's a great blessing to give generously to others, to live with integrity, to care for everyone you consider your family. 
It's a great blessing to avoid doing harm, to be careful with intoxicants, and to develop wholesome states of mind. It's a great blessing to be respectful, humble, content, and grateful, and to regularly bring spiritual teachings into your life. It's a great blessing to be patient, open to learning, and to be in touch with people on a spiritual path and to discuss spiritual teachings. It's a great blessing to live simply and in a holy way, to understand the deepest truth and to realize the highest freedom and happiness. It's a great blessing to have a mind that is steady, unswayed by the ups and downs of life, free of sorrow and shame, and at peace. Those who act in these ways cannot be dragged down. Everywhere they go, they find well-being. So my interpretation of that, that sutta, the Maha Mangala Sutta, is then in addition to just tuning into what we're grateful for, it also requires um, wisdom and action on our part to um, create the conditions for even um, greater blessings and a greater sense of uh, happiness and well-being. So the last time I gave this talk, I found the part that I liked best was actually listening to everybody that showed up rather than listening to myself. So I'd like to try an exercise tonight. You don't have to participate if you don't want to, but um, I think you'll, you'll find value in it. Um, it's a, a paying attention exercise. So if you're willing, I'd like you to turn to somebody near you and form um, partners, you know, find a partner. And if you, if there isn't somebody nearby, maybe you could raise your hand and you could find, find someone else. And if you don't want to participate, I'd, think you might still benefit by just staying and uh, and lis and listening to what comes afterwards <laughs> so this, so is everybody okay good all right so the instructions are going to be pretty simple um, you'll choose who's going to talk first so one person will talk and one person will listen and then after I ring the bell, then um, we'll be silent for a little bit, and then I'll ring the bell again, and then you'll switch, and the other person will speak. So what I'd like you to do is, the person that's speaking, to tell, the, tell your partner five things that you're grateful for in your life. Now, these don't have to be big, monumental things. They can be very simple um, um, 
you know, kind of ordinary things in your life that you have that you have some genuine gratitude for. And if you can't think of five, do four or three <laughs> or two or one or um, or maybe just acknowledge that there's nothing that you're feeling grateful for. <laughs> you know, so there, you don't have, this isn't, I don't, I don't want you to feel like you, you have to force, you have to come up with something. And then after you've said your five or whatever you're going to say, um, when I ring the bell, then just sit. Both of you can just sit in silence and notice what does that feel like. You know, notice whether there's some happiness that comes from that. Notice if there's some resistance. Um, you know, whatever, whatever it is, just notice what that's like. And then I'll ring the bell a second time, and then you can switch. So, okay, you can go ahead and start. Okay, so if you uh, now just let's just sit silently for a little bit and notice what that was like. Notice whatever um, reaction you're having to having spoken about what you're grateful for. Okay, and now switch and have the person who is listening now speak. And the person who is speaking now, listen. Okay, so if you could finish up and then let's just um, again spend a few, a little bit of time in silence noticing what that was like to to speak your to speak about what you were grateful for or or whatever resistance you might have had right so um we still have some time. I'd, I'd like to offer you an opportunity then to, um, I'm not sure we'll have time for everybody to speak, but um, I'd like to hear what that was like for you. You know, maybe what you, what you realized or what um, reaction you had to it. And if you feel like sharing it with the group, I think that would be a, might help reinforce whatever happened. So, um, my partner was Sean, and she told me several things that were she was really grateful for. And just listening to her, I thought, "Oh yeah, I'm grateful for that too." And on that one too, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just made it bigger. Mm. And I really. Um, it's nice to get to know her. It's nice to get to know her too, you mm. know. 
That was great exercise. Good, oh. Jim. Good. I, w- I thought it was really interesting for me that um, my list, I didn't feel like my list was good enough. I was critiquing it. I was saying, well, I didn't include this, and maybe I should have included this and not this, and I was sort of picking it apart and analyzing it. And mm. and, um, and when she gave her list, I was I didn't do that at all to her. I was, um, I was actually, kind of like what she said, I was reminded of... Mm. of um, more things that I was grateful for. And I thought that was really interesting that I do that to myself. I nitpick and I analyze, mm-hmm. but, I, but somebody else does the same exact exercise and I don't do that at all. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with their list. Mm-hmm. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that James said when he was here in January, he said, you know, there's a way in which the mind is sort of like Velcro for criticism, you know, sort of for the bad news, and it's sort of like um, Teflon, for the good news. And he said, you know, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, recognizing that there's things that are dangerous in the world or that require us to be critical is sort of a survival mechanism. So we don't need to stop that. But it's that other part of the appreciative consciousness that really takes some conscious cultivating. So... um, so, and it sounds like she helped you in that way. So, great. Thank you. So, one of the things I'm aware of is that I'm grateful when I have something to compare it against. So, like your story about breaking your, your leg, suddenly you could, you know, something bad happened and then the good things were coming in, you know, you could appreciate them in res- response to the bad thing. And mm-hmm. um, like I was saying how much I appreciate my husband and one of the, re- and it's really in my mind right now because some friends of ours have split up and I can see their pain and remember how lucky I am. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, you know, I've been talking to people about other things happening in the world, which reminds me of how lucky we are here. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Kind of, I can only see it sort of in relationship to something else. If I'm just like a little kid getting socks, mm. and I have socks, like you know, I don't care. Mm. <laughs> but there's sort of like yeah. needing that reflection to actually wake up to be grateful for mm. me. Can you think of anything that is just kind of that you enjoy or is beautiful on its own? Well, one of the things I, was, I mentioned that I was grateful for was uh, ripe tomatoes this time of year. Mm. <laughs> They're just... <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. partially because tomatoes are so bad in the winter. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> There's no hope for me. <laughs> I mean, Comparing I, I, mind has its place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 know, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know if, if there's something that I can just be grateful for without actually <laughs> being able to put it in its place. Of it doesn't, uh, you know that that it doesn't. Ha- it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, it's like, oh, yeah. isn't it wonderful that it is? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't I mean, one I thing that comes to mind that I'm. This is not. As I said, I'm not an expert on this. This is just something that I'm liking to explore. Is um, 
being grateful for being alive. Now, I don't know what it's like to be dead. Or I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's like to not be alive, but um, I think over the last six months or year, as I've, um, I've actually been talking about death to a lot of people over about the last month or so, and um, it's made me appreciate more being alive, even in this aging, somewhat decrepit body. <laughs> so, great, thank you. I was thinking about, actually this was not something that I mentioned as having gratitude for, but I was thinking about it as, as you were talking. Um, about 10 years ago, I had a cardiac procedure called angioplasty. And um, while I was recovering, and at that time they kept you overnight in the hospital, and, uh, and they would let you go in the morning because the, the wound would be closed. And, uh, and that night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, um, I, was, I, I was awakened by somebody punching me, uh, punching, you know, hitting me on the shoulder. And I, when I opened my eyes up, there were just these incredibly bright lights shining down on me. They were the lights that are, you know, the, uh, the bright lights that are in the, uh, in the hospital room. And, and, I, and I said, what's going on? And he said, well, your heart rate dropped to 25 beats. Um, and they gave me a shot of, um, I guess, adrenaline or, or something. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the next morning, I was packing up, you know, to get ready to go, and the nurse said, "Would you like to see the, um, <laughs> the, um, you know, the graph?" And I said, "Yes, I'd like to see it." And the graph went like, "Dun dun, dun dun dun," and I was restarting about every, you know, ten seconds or something like that. It was incredible to see that, and I realized two things. I was in the deepest sleep I had ever been in. I mean, that was it, I think. And the other thing was that um, I was so grateful, you know, to be up <laughs> and walking around, having seen that, that cardiac chart. Mm-hmm. You know. So that's one way of being grateful. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep the heart and that motif going uh, because I'm very grateful for the... Uh, the guided meditation that you read before uh, we completed the meditation. Uh, And I'd never thought, one of the things that it referenced was uh, being grateful for the heart that was beating before you were born. And I had never, ever given any thought to the fact that that organ was there pumping, keeping me alive before I was born. Mm just never thought of that. Mm. So thank you. I'm grateful to be able to sit with my father. So that's something I'm very grateful for. And I realized only after we'd shared um, our gratitude that I carry something around with me in my purse. And I, I just wanted to read it. It's called The Invocation of Gratitude. Let us be grateful when we are able to give, for many do not have that privilege. 
Let us be grateful for all those who share their gifts, for we are enriched by their giving. And let us be grateful even for our needs, so that we, we may learn from the generosity of others. Thank you. Okay, well, it's um, a little after nine. So I appreciate you all for um, showing up tonight and for sharing both with your partner and with the whole group your um, reflections. And I hope that I hope that you continue to find things to be grateful for in your life. So thank you all.